Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post 20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 128 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on with you this week? Uh, up and down in the in the fact of, well, in the idea of um, watching the game and also just, like, my body yesterday, like, I was just overheating because it was the first time this this year. Um, we've had actually like hot weather, and so like my body wasn't used to it. And um, I just got home, and like my lower back was really tense, and um, my whole body was just overheating. And I had a temperature like 102. Yeah. And I just had to cool down. I had to call off my practice yesterday. And I was just a little bit dehydration, and yeah, pretty pretty much that was it. But yeah, I mean, and then also over the weekend, I went up to Jersey City to visit some friends. Um, got to eat at a bunch of different places I wouldn't normally eat, so my system was all backed up, and yeah, I finally got to be able to go to the bathroom yesterday too. So it was just a a big process for my body um, <laughs> the last couple of days. So I'm I feel better now. My face is a little red because we were working out there today. The weather's turning around now, and um, and on the soccer side of things, yeah, we had Chelsea do. Nice in the league, and then um, Champions League, it, it it went well for 75 minutes, and then yeah. um, just the flip of the switch, really, just one moment, really changed everything. Yeah, it's uh, Benzema and Vinicius Jr. FC over there. They pretty much just have everything on lockdown. It's just those guys doing uh, a really, really good job of, of scoring when they need it. So, um, all right. Let's get into some of these games. Glad you're on the up and up. Yep. Uh, we had <clears throat> Newcastle taking on Wolves on Friday, April 8th. That started our week. Newcastle getting themselves. I think it was the, the Burnley-Everton one, Oh, right? I'm sorry. Yes, yes. I'm one off. Oh, and yeah, we um, Evan went 4-7, and seven and I went 5-6. and six. So um, I think that puts you one game below 500, so... So hopefully that I've had a we, couple of poor weeks in a row now. So. Yeah, we got we got six weeks left. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. We'll see. Um, we had Burnley taking on Everton in this one. Burnley winning by one goal. Final score three two. They opened the scoring in the twelfth minute uh, with Nathan Collins Nathan Collins scoring a goal. Richarlison struck back in the eighteenth with a penalty. Uh, he had another penalty in the 41st. Everton led 2-1 heading into halftime, but Burnley getting two much-needed goals, one in the 57th from Jay Rodriguez and one in the 85th from Maxwell Cornet, who I said last week hadn't been as involved um, as he was when he came in. And here you go. He's scoring a game-winner in the 85th when they need it the most. Um, I thought this was... A really good performance from Burnley. You know, defensively, not as solid uh, as they usually are. Made some mistakes. Of course, there was two penalties there that Richarlison put in. Um, but in terms of defending open play, I guess they were, you know, okay. Uh, usually, they, they're a little bit more compact at the back. I think they made some mistakes in this one. But on the opposite side, they were able to actually get forward and score some goals. So that's the trade-off, I guess, um, when you're playing a little looser back there. Sometimes you have a little bit more to get forward. Uh, and the the pace of play is shifted towards the top half of the pitch instead of uh, that backside where Burnley are typically strong. So in terms of statistics, we had a pretty even affair. Four shots on target for both teams, 13 shots for Burnley, 16 shots for Everton. The possession was split pretty much right down the middle, 51 to Burnley and 49 to Everton. I thought Burnley knocked the ball around really well. I think in general this is a, a pretty much, you know, as, as good as they can be offensively. Uh, so I think to walk away with three points against Everton, who are also in the mud down there, you know, pretty close to Burnley, uh, is a really great result for Sean Dyche. Yeah, and I mean, the scoreline itself, this isn't a, a Burnley scoreline. No. Um, one, in them scoring this many goals, but also winning a highly contested game like this. And it, it says this is the... First time in Burnley's history, they scored first, fell behind, and then they came back to win a Premier League game. They've never done it ever in the top flight. So um, it just shows what type of team Burnley is and um, just the impact Cornet has and these certain moments that players that normally 
um, don't really have that spark. Um, they just come around here. Weghorst kind of taking a step back. Um, his presence isn't as felt in the in the in the creation as much um, as he started. Where Charleston getting a brace was nice, both from penalties, but um, that's kind of how it is for Everton right now with their uh, uh, broken down team, not their strongest eleven for the last couple games, but. Um, they put up a good fight, and it just wasn't meant to be. And, I mean, if they didn't pull off what they did in the next game, um, they'd be in a much harsher situation. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's move on uh, to the game that I mentioned previously, uh, Newcastle versus Wolves. So this was the official start of the weekend, uh, Friday, April 8th. Newcastle winning by just one goal. Chris Wood penalty in the 72nd minute was the winner for Newcastle. But in general, I think Newcastle looked more toothy, um, better going forward than Wolves were on the day. Wolves just weren't able to get it going. Um, They did start Fabio Silva up top. Still no Raul Jimenez in this one. Trincao and Wang Hee Chan behind him. So there's some rotation in this Wolves squad. Uh, Guys we haven't seen start. Uh, all that much were in the game uh, this time, but Everton or uh, Newcastle pretty much going with their their classic lineup: Chris Wood up top with Fraser and St. Max out on the wings. Both of those guys uh, providing service from him or to him, and John Joe Bruno Guimara is their big signing, and then uh, Jolinton behind. And I think this is a, another great result for Newcastle. You know, I, I said uh, last week I didn't want to see Wolves uh, have, have a successful performance, and they didn't. They just weren't able to get it going up top. They did hold most of the possession. They knocked the ball around relatively well. Uh, but Newcastle escaped this one in a pretty sweaty affair. But, you know, you'll you'll take three points whenever you can get them, even if it's just a penalty. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, this is huge for Newcastle. Um Surprisingly, Chris Wood scoring multiple games now in the past couple weeks as soon as I drop him from fantasy, but that's another story. But, I mean, this is another problem for Wolves now. The inconsistency in the back and defensive issues is letting them down because I just don't think Fabio Silva has that much experience and isn't at that level to play week in and week out in the Premier League. He's still like a, a guy you bring off the bench maybe for a little spark, but I don't think he can play the full 90 and really change... Um, the fate of the game yep. as much as Jimenez does to his credit. But um, yeah, I don't know. There was just certain things they were missing still no Ruben Neves. So they, they had a huge hole there and with his creative creativity in there and his, his strong partnership with Moutinho, which is heavily underrated in the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, Newcastle is getting the job done. They had that great start. Um, now reality's kind of hit after those three straight defeats. Um, Two of the the one being a annihilation from Tottenham, um, but yeah, I mean they've leveled out. They're they're in a decent position in the league, and um, their next three games are, or I would say, are favorable for them, or could be a fifty fifty. And then after that, it's they're going through a bit of a gauntlet. So um, these next couple of weeks are important for them. Um, on Wolves's end, I mean, it's another nail into their coffin for the their their top four finished hopes or. Now it's it's just a battle for getting that Europa League position, but um, the way Tottenham's playing right now, they're kind of flying out of there. Um, Arsenal's going through a bit of a rough patch, and then we know West Ham United can be fraudulent, so I wouldn't count them out totally yet, but um, maybe one or two more results don't go in their way. I would say they're 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 pretty much out of contention for Europe. Yeah, I I think that's. Probably pretty fair uh, to say. I don't. I don't see them getting that European spot, but we've seen stranger things happen. So we'll move on to one of those stranger things: Everton defeating Manchester United at Goodison Park. United usually play better away, but they did yeah. not in this one. Anthony Gordon with the lone goal in the 27th minute. Symbolic defending from United as per usual. Everton only registering three shots on target. They held 32% of the possession in this game, but they were able to make it happen. Manchester United with 68% possession, four shots on target, and 12 shots. Uh, excuse me, they lined up with Ronaldo up top, Bruno Fernandes behind him, Rashford out on the left, and Sancho on the right. Uh, Nemanja Matic and Fred in the midfield, no Pogba in this one. Uh, I did see some news about his contract today. 
And then in terms of uh, defense, no um, no Veron in this one. Harry Maguire and Lindelof at center back and Basaka and Tellez uh, out on the flanks. And then Everton put out, I guess, pretty much their full strength lineup, but yeah. uh, not getting anything from DCL, not getting anything from Richarlison in this one. He used up his penalty luck uh, in the game before, but Aaron or Anthony Gordon, Coming out, getting it done. You know, he's he's shown up in a lot of these games. He's a young fella. He he plays with a lot of heart. Um, and Everton get all three points in a game that they just simply outfought United in. Yeah, I mean, this was just one of those games that um, Everton just got lucky in a way, you could say, with the chances not falling in United's favors. But um, I think this is how most Everton games go all season. This one just went to plan really and to get a clean sheet as well as even more of a boost for for frank and the boys um their home record's a lot better than their away record we touched on last week they're abysmal on the road but um they do decently especially since frank's taken over um playing at goodison so um it gives them that four point cushion over burnley right now and um four points i mean doesn't seem like a lot but in that area of the table it's everything so um, especially with the form those teams can have um, being very poor. But, um, yeah, I mean, it started off Saturday with uh, people double-looking at the screens and and we're just surprised. And we Ronaldo had a, a burst out of emotions and apparently smashed somebody's phone. And um, at, Right, that happened. I think this was this game. Oh, yeah, that was this game. And then yeah. everybody was so upset about it. I mean, it's like... Ronaldo, that's just how Ronaldo is. Like this is how he's been his whole career. He's he's a fucking prick. Yeah, I think he he obviously apologized yeah. on social media and then invited them to a game in Old Trafford. So, yeah. um, he he did his best to 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 make up for it. But I mean, he just has some. I mean, at his age, you're thinking not even when when guys just turn thirty alone in any sport, you're thinking okay, they're they've already peaked and they're over the hump. But I mean, this guy at thirty seven still has the. Yeah, he's got the, the drive and the competition. The, yeah, the, the just the raw emotions like he did when he was 18. So um, that just never goes away from you as a competitor. But, I mean, there's certain moments where you need to reel it in. And especially at his age, he's been through so much. He should realize um, how to control his emotions in certain scenarios. So, um, But I can understand playing for Man United, just the inconsistency there with those with all those players. I mean, I was going to ask you, like, Ferran's probably played 50%, maybe even less of the games. Since he signed, um, it even took him a while to to put his boots on after the summer when they signed him. It took weeks for him to get his first match, but um, it doesn't even seem like it was worth buying him at this point no, so far. No, total waste. I don't think this is where he should have wound up. I think he would have been better off at City um, for him and for City as well. So I just, I don't know. I just don't think it was worth it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um what was the thing with Pogba's contract? I'm not sure. I don't um, know about that. Well, the they offered him a new contract, and it got out to the rest of the team how much money it was, and they're not happy. Oh, jeez. Uh, it's probably like 500. I'm sure it's... I mean, I know his normal contract is obscene, and he, yeah. he probably is worth it, but he he might be worth it for a team where he can actually perform. I, I don't think United is that team, and obviously he's aging. We don't We don't really see Pogba play that much either. Um, and he said stretches yeah. of good form, but you know, I, I don't think the guy's worth 500,000 a week right now, uh, the way that he's been yeah. playing and his injuries. And so I, I can see why they'd be upset. And that's just not something you want, especially if you're going to bring in a new manager. Uh, Ten Hog has said their, their plan, IX is, um, Ten Hog. He said that their plan is sufficient uh, his words, not mine. So if he's going to be coming in, I'm sure there's going to be just so much hell in that locker room. Uh, we've heard all season about how messy it's been. And uh, if I were him, you know, that's not necessarily a situation that I want to walk into. So we'll have to see all how how all of that plays out. That could be uh, could be a problem uh, or maybe it won't be. But I'll be curious to uh, continue to tune into the United drama as things progress. As always. As always. Let's move on to Watford Leeds. This one uh, going in favor of Leeds. 3-0 was the margin of victory. Rafinha opening the scoring in the 21st. Rodrigo in the 73rd. And then Jack Harrison with an uh, absolute dagger in the 85th. 
Uh, Leeds just better on the day. They're playing really, really well since uh, Jesse Marsh has come in. Ten shots for them, five shots on target. Held 52% of the possession. Knocked the ball around relatively well. Um, Watford with a higher pass accuracy in this one. But their passes led to nothing. So only 48% possession for Watford. One shot on target and eight shots. Uh, Leeds not still missing Calvin Phillips. Still missing... Um, Patrick Bamford, but they're getting performances out of some of these other guys, younger guys. Rafinha has been good for them all season. Jack Harrison's been great, scored a lot of goals in clutch, uh, and Rodrigo. So those three guys that played in the midfield all got goals. Uh, and then in terms of Watford, they lined up with Saar and Hernandez out on the flanks. Um, who's JP, dude? Jao Pedro. Oh, Jao Pedro. I don't know why it doesn't just say Jao Pedro. Uh, but he, he played striker. I've never seen his name abbreviated JP. Never. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're just they're just really missing out. I think King just had a full, a big stretch of just going yeah. off, and I think it just gave everybody the wrong um, expectations for him as a player, and I guess the team overall, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Cucho Hernandez has been great for them kind of in the past couple weeks, but I don't think he's a guy that you can expect a goal from every week, and that's kind of what you Uh, need in the Prem. You know, you need a player going forward that you know is going to score for you. I think Jack Harrison sort of turned into that player for Leeds in the past couple, uh, in in the past, I don't know, maybe month or two months. Rafinha is another guy, so as long as you have a couple guys that you know can score for you, then... It's it's nice, but uh, Watford just don't have that. Like you said, you, they don't have King. He's not been in the shape that he was in. They're missing out on Dennis. Uh, Saar, another one who I thought was great when he came in this season and has just fallen off tremendously. Uh, and Jao Pedro, not really up to snuff. So regardless of how they defend, regardless of how they um, defend in the midfield, if you don't have guys that are going to be able to get forward and score for you, you're going to have a tough time beating these younger teams, especially, you know, teams like Leeds that just have so much firepower and pace uh, that they're going to be able to overpower you. And, and that was the case here. Yeah, and to Leeds' credit, they've been playing for, I would say, 90% of the season without a True number nine, a yeah. true forward. Um, Dan James, for most of the part, has been that guy filling in. Um, Rodrigo, we've seen um, when he played in Spain, he played up front. But now since joining Leeds two, three years ago, um, he's kind of played right behind as like a little shadow striker, more in the midfield. So And, and that, that role works for him in, in Jesse's system. So um, it's nice to see for them. We saw Liam Cooper, the, the club captain, back in there. Uh, you mentioned Calvin Phillips. He's... Slowly getting reintegrated into the squad, coming off the bench uh, the past couple games. Um, so things are on the up and up. They're in, they're in great form, um, especially in the in the lower half of the table. They got the the best form in their last four games um, out of all the teams in the bottom half, um, and they have that nine point cushion now ahead of Burnley. Um, but they played two games more than Everton and Burnley below them. But. Um, uh, they just need to keep it up. I mean, I, like I mentioned, I think another five points is pretty good. Um, but, hey, we'll see. Anything can happen. We've seen it this week. We've seen it almost every other week. Um, teams that you're not expecting to get a, a, a result do, and that's what's great about the Premier League. So um, I will say one thing about Watford. I just think I think the Watford attack is decent. I just don't think they can get the service to those guys to – supply those opportunities for them to give them the numbers they probably deserve. Uh, that midfield is pretty weak. Um, Kuka is pretty much just a bruiser. They got him from from uh, Italy. He's probably the dirtiest player in the league, I would yeah. say. He's up there. Um, Suzoka's, Suzoka, we've, we know he played a long time with Spurs um, as well as Newcastle. So he's a Premier League vet, probably out of all the guys in that team. Um, him and Ben Foster are, have the most experience, um, but he can't carry everything. And then, obviously, we've seen their transfer activity. Um, they've probably signed a grand total of eight to nine defenders, and <laughs> it's just mix and match every game to see what sticks. So um, there's just no consistency. And I think Roy Hodgson coming out of retirement was a, a very bold strategy for the man. Yeah, I guess maybe he's glory chasing. You know, he's known for keeping teams up. Uh, he had, he had a lot, you know, I think maybe his eyes 
Um, dude, what the fuck is this saying I'm looking for? Holy shit. His eyes were bigger than his stomach? That's the one. He bit off more than he could chew. That's another yeah. one. I was I was about to mix them up. Holy fuck, my brain just stopped working. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he took on, you know, just such a big task there uh, going into Watford, hoping that they, he could, I guess, inspire them to, to play some good football and stay up. Uh, I just don't see it happening at this point. I mean, I, I'm hoping Burnley don't go down because I do think that they have players that uh, are of the Premier League quality. I would hate for them to have spent all that money uh, on guys that I think do fit in there and go down. So we'll have to see what you know what the future holds for Burnley. But I think Watford and, and Norwich are just dead set on going down. Everton are the team, I think, um, that could that could swap with Burnley. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, a really shitty performance by Watford in this one. All right. Southampton versus Chelsea up next. All I can really say is that this was a drubbing. Marcos Alonso opened the scoring in the eighth. Mason Mount in the 16th. Timo Werner in the 22nd. Kai Havertz in the 31st. Timo again in the 49th. And then Mason Mount scoring the final goal of the tie or of the match, rather, in the 54th minute. 24 shots for Chelsea, 14 of those on target, carried 71% of the possession, and completed a total of 748 passes. Conversely, Southampton completed just 292 passes. They held 29% of the possession, had one shot on target, and four total shots. They struggled so hard in this game, and, you know, our, my issue with Chelsea right now is that they just are having a tough time defending. It didn't matter because they held the ball the entire game uh, and they were on the offensive side of the match the entire time. It just didn't matter. It did not matter how they defended. Uh, Alonso got up into the play. RLC got up into the play. And Conte and Kovacic played really well. Uh, you know, our, our stats here don't show us how many interceptions uh, were in the game, but... I think those guys played a tremendous game. Uh, Mason Mount looked great. This is the first game uh, in a while where I think he's had two. But uh, he had a couple assists in this game, I think, as well. Two and two, which is an unbelievable match. Um, and Southampton just weren't up to it on the day. I think this is a great win for Chelsea. They really needed this. And they carried it into the UCL uh, match, but they inevitably did lose. Yeah, I mean, I was watching this game with the when I was in Jersey City, and I was like, "This isn't something you you see." No, you see very very often. I mean, it's, it's Southampton's just turning into that team where it, if it happens, it's Southampton where they just get absolutely bullied. Yep. Um, we saw the nine nil against United. Um, there was another nine nil, I think, as well. Um, and now this one, and I mean, they I mean they sub Romeo out in like the twenty fifth, thirtieth minute. Like they were just like five in the back. We're just gonna. Uh, Ra- uh, Ralph Hausenhufel, ha- um, uh, he just was trying to stop the bleeding. It wasn't even about trying to get back in the game. <clears throat> it was just, just to, I mean, it was at home for them too. So, I mean, if I'm a Southampton fan, I'm sure almost the whole stadium left at the half um, at, four, at uh, 4 0. So, it's just one of those games where. They just need to fit, forget about it, and uh, try to move on. They they are pretty much safe. I would I would say I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, but the way they've been playing the last the last five games, there four defeats and a, and a draw. It's just um, it's just confusing because um, we know Southampton is a has quality players in that team and they have a great system and philosophy the way they play, um, the possession style, but. Um, Chelsea just dominated the ball, and Southampton just couldn't keep up with the pace of the game. Um, and even when they did get the ball, just the high press from from Chelsea's players was too much for them. So, um, and I will say, we went back to the to the five in the back, and it worked a lot better as I thought it would. And then, um, but uh, we saw was it yesterday when they went back to the four three three, and it worked really well for them too against Madrid, but um, like I mentioned at the start, just um, that assist from Modric was just unbelievable to Rodrigo. I mean, just outside the foot, and it just perfectly fell to him for a tap-in. I mean, there was just nothing you can do, and 
I, I can't be mad at them because they the the boys left everything out there and they wanted it so bad and yep. it just it just wasn't meant to be and I saw Tuchel make comments after the game saying um, he was pissed at the referee he was like joking and laughing scene with uh, Ancelotti and stuff and um, was saying that uh, they were afraid to make calls against the Spanish giants and stuff like that, those type of things. And yeah. I mean, even the Alonzo's gold being disallowed, it grazed his pinky. And I can understand the rule being what it is, but I mean, come on, like really? Yeah, like, that, it's it's ridiculous. But yeah, I think I think they're playing a lot better than what they've been doing. Yeah, um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, just kind of a one-off loss uh, last week. And they came out and they, they fired, you know, pretty much with everything they had this week. So I don't think you have much to worry about at Chelsea. I know the bids keep coming in. Uh, so yeah. Like, literally everybody's trying to get in on the bid. So I think just, like, general owner of of Chelsea, the new general owner, is just going to be America, like American sporting <laughs> Uh, that's, it seems like everyone is trying to get in on the bid. So yeah, I guess at least you're going to have an American owner. It's, we'll I, see. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see, but, um, okay, let's move on. Arsenal one, Brighton two, ugly game. Uh, Brighton opening the scoring in the 28th behind a Leandro Trossard goal. Enoch Mwepu scored in the 62nd and then Martin Odegaard got one back for Arsenal in the 89th it was just too little too late for arsenal in this one i don't think they played all that badly but they did defend poorly uh cedric ben white gabriel and then the Xhaka left back which i knew would be a problem and it fucking was um you know they just didn't defend as a unit they didn't defend well whatsoever I thought maybe they'd throw Saka at left back. I think that's probably coming soon. I would have rathered them throw Saka back there and then just kind of deal with what they had to deal with going forward, but that's just not what they did in this game. They opted to throw Xhaka back there instead of playing uh, him in the pivot with Sambi, and it just it just didn't end well. Brighton, again, not getting goals from their strikers because they never do, but still getting a result against an Arsenal side who I thought uh, were just gen generally better on the day. They moved the ball around much better. They passed more accurately. They held 65% of the possession and had four shots on target, which was more than Brighton's three. But like I said, those two goals slipped through, and uh, ultimately Arsenal don't take any points from this. They are in a tough spot at this point. Uh, sitting in fifth place, three points behind Spurs with a game in hand, but they play Spurs soon and they play Chelsea soon and it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, and your your goal differential is there's a massive gap between you, yourselves and Spurs by 10 goals. Um, yep. So if it goes head-to-head, -head, I, I don't know. I don't think even head-to-head -head even counts. I think it just goes straight to goal differential. But um, yeah, I mean, you guys are going to have to play concrete defense to close the year if you really want to make that gap um if spurs don't slip up to what we think they'll do but um yeah i was surprised by this result because even if i picked this game this was like my flyer i picked brighton to win but yeah. um i was so surprised that they came out and they finally put their chances away um as well as they they always play better um away from home um and that early goal in the 28th just set the tone and like you mentioned that the late goal it wasn't it just wasn't meant to be and um uh, yeah it's just one of those games you need to move on from and just look forward to the next one because um you are in a, a weird spot but you guys have a lot of games to make up and um worst case would be if you keep slipping and west ham and united start closing that gap there and you I think the ultimate goal is just to get back in Europe, or would you prefer Champions League? Well, well, here's the thing. Arsenal aren't ready. I don't even think they're ready to compete. Yeah, in the because we saw, we saw Odegaard playing. I mean, the way this lineup is set up, Odegaard had a CDM role, and Xhaka, you said, at left back. And Yo, that's bad. I'm, I'm looking at the bench. I mean... You have you got three youngsters, and you could put Nuno Tavares in there as well. Um, Pepe 
and in Ketir, you're only attacking options with any type of experience, and the rest are kind of defensive. And yeah, that's bad. You guys don't don't have very much to offer off that bench. No, there's pretty much nothing. I mean, Pepe, we've had we've gotten some solid performances out of him this season when yeah. he's come on, but Rob Holding is your backup guy. It's just poor. Um, Obviously, we know Tomiyasu and Tierney are out, and those are top to both starting fullbacks. Yeah, so our um, our usual bench is kind of in this lineup, but um it doesn't matter like when you're a club of arsenal size you would think you know you would just have more depth in general uh or better guys you could bring up from the academy or something but those guys are are kind of playing in the team you know the younger guys martinelli smith rowe and Saka, all really young so that's just sort of sort of the pitfall of having the youngest team in the league this is the kind of stuff that happens when you're veterans and and guys that you really count on to provide structure to your team go out uh things change and that's what's happened here and i I don't think unless arsenal bring in a significant amount of star power and quality they don't bring that in this summer then I, i i just don't think we're ready for champions league maybe we could compete uh in europa league but even there, man, Arsenal just don't, they don't do well in Europa League. They always seem to like just crash out. They get fucked up. It's not like the early early to mid-2000s where Arsenal used to actually compete uh, with some of these bigger clubs. And I just think the Spanish Giants, like those are obviously the teams that can just go and they have such a following. Even like Villarreal, look, they're in the fucking UCL semis with Unai Emery. It's just... Yep. It's a different style of football when you get to to European competition. It's not the same domestic physical style that these guys are used to, and they just get outclassed and outpaced and outworked. And uh, I don't think that this team is ready. It would be nice to get them some Europa League um, competition just so they have it under their belts. But yeah, I'm not I'm not really even that worried about it. You know, I'd I'd like to get fourth because fourth is where Arsenal belong. It's their spot. Um, yeah. I'm not so much worried about the the UCL qualification, but I would I would say it's essential to the summer because you guys are going to need a striker too. Yeah. And, um, playing in better competitions is going to lure better talent. And yeah, I agree. I, I think regardless of the competition, I think it'll be interesting because we've never seen Arteta manage in Europe before as nope. a as a manager. So it'll be interesting to see how he how his squad selection is and how he balances that into um their schedule and all that so um it's yet to be seen but i think it's almost certain that they get at least into that conference league so um oh i don't we'll, want that though yeah yeah, yeah. you <laughs> might as well not even want to play in that <laughs> yeah like i'd um, ra- I'd, spurs were in that this this year like i'd rather have they didn't even make it out of the group stage oh, that's what i'm saying like I, I think it's just and spurs had a weird start to the season um yeah I don't. I don't know if that's even what I want. I think I'd rather have your. I'd rather have Europa League, Champions League, or or nothing. And obviously, yeah. the Champions League is first. But like you said, it's important to lure those players. Uh, we'll have to see how how all that pans out. Uh, Saint Tottenham's day is coming though. Things look too good for Tottenham right now, and we're gonna get right into their game with Villa. Uh, Tottenham winning on Saturday morning, four nil. Absolutely battered Villa. Uh, Huangman's son with a hattie got one in the third. Uh, Dejan Kulisevsky broke up his hat trick in the 50th. Uh, and then son got another in the 66th and another in the 71st. So a really tough second half for Villa, defended extremely poorly. I thought offensively they actually played relatively well, they attacked. Um, they didn't sit back, but I think that's part of why Tottenham were able to just absolutely expose them. Uh, Huang Min's son just carved them up and he finished his chances really well. He's on the score sheet a lot. Uh, things kind of have changed where Kane was putting in all of the goals and it's been more of the wingers, son and, and Kulu who've been getting uh, those statistics instead. So a great performance overall from Tottenham. I think that they've just been in soaring form, 11 shots, five on target. And shockingly, Villa actually outdid them in both categories 19 shots total and eight shots on target so possession was split down the middle and i just think tottenham were better uh more clinical and and put more chances away in this one yeah and we're seeing sun close that gap in and he's second in most goals now on 17 only three behind salah and um yeah i mean you met with son and kane we know they're the 
most dynamic duo in the league when it comes to two attackers. Um, obviously, you can argue with the other top teams, but when it comes to the scoring end, they contribute for 51% of their team's goals. Um, I think that's just behind Liverpool with, with Salah, Jota, and Mane contributing to 60% of their team goals. So, I mean, they're, they're, if they don't play well, we know Tottenham's not going to perform um, and succeed in a lot of these games. But, yeah, I mean, Harry Kane's okay with other guys shining. He's not like a big diva like Ronaldo is. He's okay as long as the team's winning, um, just as long as they win something, which never happens. But um, just the team's been playing well. Um, Villa, we know, hasn't been playing um, the best. Uh, their, their last four games have all been defeats, which is the worst out of every team. Um, all the, I mean, the previous three, they were close, but this one, they just never had a chance. Um, it's just not been working for Stevie G. He's been kind of adjusting the, the the formation a little bit, um, trying just to just find something that works. And I don't know what it is. Um, with his players right now, they just can't. To give them credit, I mean, you said yeah, Spurs were okay with sitting back, and they had 19 shots, eight of them on target, which is a lot, um, the most they've had in a long time. But it's just, it's just not consistent right now. We, we, we they bring in Danny Ings, who's a, a veteran of the league and has put multiple seasons of at least 10 to 15 goals and. He's been lacking this year. He's only he's only got five in twenty four matches played. Um, Coutinho, which has been their X factor since joining, hasn't been doing their his best his best work even. Um, and yeah, that back line we talked about last year and Martinez being one of the top goalkeepers, and this year he's kind of he's just kind of fallen asleep to the middle of the pack. So um, all those top players are just. Uh, they're just not showing up to the party, and Tottenham just took full advantage of that today. And Kulusevski again has been a dynamic player for them, contributing. He's got eleven goal uh, in eleven appearances. Um, he has three goals and and uh, what's that? At least uh, five or six assists, if I had to guess on the top of my head. But yep, yeah, they've just been clinical. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Really, it's just uh, it's just their time right now when it when it comes to it and they have a decent probably one of the easier one of the easiest remaining schedules um kulisevsky's got seven assists in 11 games for them that's um, that's fantastic yeah which is which is up there if um there's a oh it doesn't have here on my short short list here but yeah i'm sure that's up there top 10 at least um trent's probably on like 12 or something in first but yeah, I mean they're just turning it up right now, and their remaining schedule. I think their their hardest game is Arsenal, so it's looking pretty good for them, really, to finish in that fourth position. We'll just have to see how Arsenal does to keep up with them. And you guys don't play each other until um, which we call it May twelfth, which is like the second to last week. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fucking really interesting game. I have that to say. Uh, let's move on. Leicester City 2, Crystal Palace 1. I had a feeling maybe Leicester would get out ahead of this one. Um, I bet them. I don't know if I took them on the show, but I did bet them. And they took did. A, I think you took a draw. Yeah, so it could have been a draw, um, but it yep. wound up wound up going in favor of Leicester. Uh, excuse me. Adam Lookman opened the scoring in the 39th. Kieran and Dewsbury Hall, who we've, we've sung his praises uh, in recent weeks. Scored in the 45th, and then Wolf Zaha got one back in the 66th. Quietly, really, really good season for Wolf Zaha. He's been great um, for Palace. 11 goals. 11 goals. You know, he's up there in the top five scorers in the league, I think. Um, And then in terms of stats, this one was pretty much, like, even on both sides. It was a really fun game to watch. It was well thought by both teams. Um, Both teams at essentially full strength. No Vardy, but... Daka, Iannaccio, and Vardy are kind of interchangeable, I think. I think they all do a pretty good job. Uh, and, and both Leicester goals coming from the midfield, same with, uh, same with uh, Palace. So I thought a an, an really interesting watch, and these are two teams that you don't necessarily know uh, where they stand on a week-to-week basis. Palace have been up and down but are in great form currently, uh, and Leicester have just been really wishy-washy, hard to pick. So uh, I think they're... Um, 
Their form is actually pretty similar right now. Leicester have three wins, a loss, and a draw in their last five. Crystal Palace with two wins, two draws, and a loss. So just a two-point difference in their last five games uh, in terms of how they've played. And I think this was a a really big uh, win for Leicester. They do sit in ninth place on 40 points where Crystal Palace are now in 10th on 37. Yeah, I mean, unless they have the most games to play still, they've, they've only played 29. Um, Wolves ahead of them is nine points ahead, but uh, if Leicester win all those games in hand, they're they're level there on points with them. So they're still, you could argue, could finish in like a European place, including the, the Conference League, which would be an absolute miracle for how Leicester's season started with um, Wesley Fofana breaking his leg and pretty much 75% of their defenders being hurt for the majority of the year. I mean, that I would I would definitely put Brandon Rodgers up there for manager of the year if that was to happen. But um yeah, in this game it was a a clash of rivals in the in the current league table and Leicester got the job done in the first half which um put Crystal Palace in a bad spot to fight uphill. Um but I mean, Crystal Palace don't have to think too much about it because um, right now, I would say it's an overachievement for where we thought Palace would finish um, in the league table, and they they have a massive game this weekend. I mean, this is this is their season right now. This Saturday against um, or Sunday against Chelsea in the FA Cup. I mean, everything is huge for them. This is like a their Champions League final. Um, so we'll have to see yeah. on Sunday for that. But um, yeah, I think I think they could be okay with it and. Lester, Lester, just keeping up the keeping the gas going. Yep. And before we move on to this next one, we're coming to a close here. But uh, both Premier League clubs have advanced to the UCL semis. Liverpool and Manchester City both clinching, uh, despite both of those games being pretty heavily contested. I think uh, the the tie ended, or today's today's end of the tie, or leg of the tie ended three three for Liverpool and Benfica, and nil uh, nil for. City and Atleti, so two draws, but they both advance. Uh, let's move on. Norwich City 2, Burnley nil. What the fuck? Burnley, after having a great win over an Everton side who are probably better than Norwich, uh, come out and lay an egg. Pierre Lise Melu scored on a weird deflection goal in the ninth, and then Timu Puki carved up the defense to score in the 86th. No shortage of offensive play in this game again. Uh, Burnley with 18 shots, Norwich with 17, Burnley with four shots on target, Norwich with six, and then the possession split close to the middle, uh, 56% of the possession being held by um, Burnley. But yeah, kind of like not really how Burnley play again. They just couldn't get any of their chances to fall in this one. Cornet uh, out on the wing with Whitehorse and Rodriguez up top. They lined up in a different formation than they played the week before with uh when they played Everton but they just didn't they weren't up to it like they they just couldn't put their chances away uh Norwich got a lucky goal to start off and then they they held on to it you know and this is more of the Burnley that I'm used to watching in terms of just struggling going forward but they defended poorly again and I can't believe it but Norwich take all three in that last position when Burnley needed way more. Uh, and now Burnley and Norwich are only separated by, by three points. So I don't know. I, I keep saying that these are the teams that are going to go down, but like, I don't know. We have six weeks left. That's a lot of time. Yeah. I'd say three of the four of them, including Everton. I think yeah. Leeds is pretty comfortable the way they've yeah, been yeah. playing. Um, one of them's going to get out of it. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think Sean Dice is realizing that where they are in the table, they're, they have to take more chances in these games, and it's going to leave them exposed more often than what they're used to. And teams will capitalize on that because they, they don't have the paciest of guys to recover and fill in those gaps. Um, like a city do with Kyle Walker with his speed. Uh, um, with, uh, I mean, even like Newcastle, you got you got like Trippier and um, Cher. I don't know. I'm just trying to make sense just how slow these guys are. And it's just not what I, I think I'm just trying to say. It's just not what they're used 
to taking more opportunities and getting forward more often than just sitting back and letting teams come at them. I think the game would have went a lot, would have went a lot differently if it was nil-nil at the half. Um, scoring so early is just... It's been happening a lot to Burnley the last couple of games, and it's just something they're not used to because they they hold themselves to a high standard of being a hard team to break down. And giving goals up so early is difficult because mentally it just breaks you down um, and makes you think, well, all right, well, now we have to get one back. And it just psychologically changes things. And I think Norwich got a big adrenaline rush from it playing at home. And I mean, I think this, this win gives them hope, the fans and all. Um, they could go on a run here. You never know. Two, we've we've seen two wins, two three games getting points could mean the world in that that area of the table. Um, and I mean, they have games coming up against teams in that area still. They have a Newcastle, um, Aston Villa, who haven't been playing well. Um, and then other than that, they're playing teams in the top ten. Um, but I mean, they play United next, and we just saw Everton get a result against them. Um, who knows? Maybe Norwich can get an upset as well. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on. I was checking the score of the Phillies game. Everybody I know is there today besides me. Uh, Brentford 2, West Ham nil Again, what the fuck? Like, well, I don't know what's going on at West Ham, but Brentford getting a 2-0 win uh, at home. And Buemo scored in the 48th, and Ivan Tony scored in the 64th. And Brentford were just on top of West Ham the entire game. West Ham couldn't get anything going. Mikel Antonio looks like a shell of his former self. He looks awful. Uh, Lanzini not getting forward as much. And then Bowen and Fornells playing on the left and right and sort of wingish attacking mid roles, but just not good enough on the day. Suchek and Rice couldn't do anything because they couldn't get the ball. They couldn't advance the ball. Um, and it was just poor. I think they defended poorly as well, but, uh, props to Brentford for getting it. for getting all three in this one, 15 shots and seven on target versus West Ham's five and one, uh, Brentford currently sit in 13th on 36 points. They are certainly safe from the drop and West Ham are in that fighting spot with Arsenal and Tottenham on 51 points. They have played 32 games, so Tottenham has one game in hand on West Ham, and Arsenal has two. Um, I don't see them butting into fourth, but they're battling with Arsenal for fifth, probably. Yeah, they've just struggled offensively in yep. their last six six games. They've they've won three, but also lost three, and they've only scored six goals in those games. I mean, they, like you mentioned, Antonio just has faded out of reality with how he started the year. Everybody was so shocked with how he was playing, and it's just not normal for him as a player to do that. But um, it's set in now back to reality how he's played his whole career, and the guys that have picked up the slack for him when he dropped off as well just aren't showing up consistently. We, we saw Bowen. I think he's their top scorer this year with 9 or 10. Um yeah, with nine there and 30 matches, which is nice, especially as a winger there. Plays in a further position back from Antonio. And um, for now's your guy hasn't been producing as much. And West Ham's kind of a team that relies on set pieces more often. Um, we know Cresswell is one of the best set piece guys, especially from, from uh, corner kicks. Those center backs get up frequently and score a lot. Um, but yeah, it's just... They're just mediocrity, just a load of mediocrity right now for them. And Brentford, to their credit, has been flying, um, especially the last two. Obviously, they've won, but their last five, four wins, that's crazy. I mean, realistically, we, if, we, if, we, if the results went the way we thought, they, they'd be probably below Everton even, um, and we'd be talking a different story about them. But they're just pulling things off right now that, they're playing the way they started the year now, just getting results. It's going in their favor. They're dominating the possession. Um, and yeah, I mean, full credit to Thomas Frank and the boys. Um, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. yeah. Well, you just have to give them their props. Yeah. Um, okay. We have... Where are we? I lost just my spot. The City of Liverpool. Oh, man, what a game. I'll let you take the reins on this one. Did you watch it or no? Yeah, I okay. saw the first half and then um, had to hit the road for my, my, my little guy's game, which was crazy in itself, 5-5 uh, draw. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, this game, it's just the highest level of um, the game right now. It's just the two of the best managers in the world tactically going at each other, and you can see the changes they're making on the field as the game is is going on in front of our eyes, how they're adjusting to one move from the other, and it's just great to see. And the brilliance of these players on the on the field, we're seeing Tiago for Liverpool when he's not consistently hurt. Um, just the, the passing range he has and the creativity going forward, what he offers this team, and obviously he's not the best defensive uh, defensively, but he has guys like Fabinho to cover up those those flaws, and just both these teams are well crafted together. And um, De Bruyne in the fifth minute, I mean, just the pandemonium, the first five minutes. It's that seems like what's been happening for Man City pretty much every game in the league so far the, since the turn of the year. It's like they score a goal in the first fifteen minutes. It's just a given um, with the just the press they give, and Liverpool answer right back like they should. Um, with Jota in the 13th, a nice little cutback. Um, Jesus in the 37th, getting a nice goal at the back post. And then Mane, first minute of the second half, getting the equalizer. And then just they're just going back and forth, chance after chance. Um, great save after great save. Um, Ederson had that moment where the ball was uh, halfway on the goal line and he clears it out. And Jota just misses tapping the easiest tapping of his career. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more in a um, in a game. Yeah, I mean the the Ederson thing was insane. Just playing with the ball on the goal line, and then he just kicks it away as cool as can be. And Pep said after, I, I genuinely don't think like these top these top goalkeepers and worry about minds, it. Well, I just don't think we truly see them as all around goalkeepers. Yeah, because they're not put into these situations like other goalies are. Like, yeah, that's why I always say like De Gea is like one of the best because he's always tested. Because um, yeah. that United defense isn't like these two defensive, like these teams' defenses are. Yeah, um, he always has to make like top tier saves. Whereas these guys get twelve, thirteen clean sheets a year, but. I mean, truly, how often are they really put to the test? Yeah, no, not that much. And I, I think Ederson and Allison both actually, Allison especially, like these guys have made, like they make mistakes. Like you see them make a lot more mistakes than you see. Like a guy like De Gea, his defense makes a lot of mistakes, and they leave him high and dry a lot. Like just where he has no chance but to let it in. But I, th- I think you do see. I don't remember if it was Ederson that had an awful blunder last year. I think it was Ederson. I don't think it was Allison. I get them confused because they're the same age and they're both Brazilian keepers. But um, yeah, but on the other hand of like the other side of that argument, these guys are like, I'm sure both of them are really good with the ball at their feet. Oh yeah, that's that's the, what they brought in for is they're they're not just the them as goalkeepers, but. Both of these teams love building out from the back and starting yeah. from the goalkeeper. So, yeah, I can understand that. But like you mentioned, they're more opt to um, committing mistakes. Yeah, yeah. But it, that was crazy. Like it was, I saw it happening, and I was like, "Oh my god, he's going to get the ball poached. They're going to score." And no, he just as cool as could be clears the ball out, and it's not a problem. And Pep was just on the sideline, like staring. Just like death staring at watching it happen. Um, But yeah, such a great game. Uh, I thought it could go either way. You know, when we kind of uh, went over it last week, I said it could could really go any way. I don't even want to say City were the better team on the day because I think uh, Liverpool, they were just fighting. You know, they were fighting the entire time. You have to give it to them. I think to get a draw uh, with City is great. They're only a point behind them. Uh, in the table and this was a really solid performance all around from both teams and this is the sort of the sort of game that you you live for you know you love to watch it we're gonna get to see it again we may get to see it uh we may get to see it two more times because both of these teams advanced um oh no yeah well they play each other in the in the Champions no. League now well they they did the draw Liverpool plays Villarreal Man City's got Real Madrid Oh, so they could play each other in the final, though. Yeah, it could be the third um, 
all English Champions League final in the last four years. Yeah, so that could be great. Um, I saw it's like a more more uh, sophisticated FA Cup. Yeah, basically. Um, but but yeah, this was this was such an awesome game to watch. I mean, the whole time I was just kind of giddy, waiting for the next goal. Really quiet second half, but the teams were just locked down. I don't think either of them wanted to lose. Uh, but I wouldn't say that they played for a draw either. Cancelo was great in this game too. We should say he's, yeah. you know, sometimes he gets the stats, but a lot of the time it's just watching him play. He's all over. He had the most touches in the in the opposing box in the first half, which is so crazy for a left back considering how much how how well he defends too, and he gets caught yeah. up in the midfield as well. And I just think that. Um, I had to give him some props because he's he's amazing. I love watching him play. Um, yeah, now, now it's just a case of who slips up first. Yeah, absolutely. It's a race to the top. And I like Matt said, I think it's just going to be a case of who slips because I don't really see either of these teams um, you know, pulling any of their punches heading into the final six weeks of the season. Okay, um, let's do a preview. We, I think we have a lot of games to preview. Uh, yeah, so there's there's eleven. We have four this Saturday, two on Sunday, one on Tuesday next Tuesday, um, and then we should include the four next Wednesday because um, there's another eleven games after that in the in the following week. So just so we don't have next week's episode be like super crazy, we okay. could just do it eleven this week and then eleven next week. All right, cool. Um... So we're already at an hour, so we'll just kind of rapid-fire these off. We have Tottenham yeah. versus Brighton on Saturday. Um, I'm going to take Tottenham in that one. Don't see Brighton getting two in a row. Um, I don't know. I just think, yeah, Tottenham. I think Tottenham's had Brighton's number for a little bit. I think um, more often when these guys play, Tottenham kind of sits back, kind of how we saw the Villa game go. Um, they'll concede more possession, but... um. I don't think Conte is going to be there. He contracted COVID, so um, he won't be on the sidelines to give them that motivational energy that he always does. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just my gut instantly tells me it's going to be a draw. So I'm just going to go with that, even though I want to say Tottenham. But um, I think Brighton getting a result against Arsenal there is going to give them a little hope, and it is a way for them too. So I can definitely see them get the point. Okay, we have United going up against Norwich City. I think this is a great opportunity for United to get three points on the board after a disappointment last week uh, to Everton. So I'm going to take United straight up. Yeah, I'm going to take United as well. I mean, I'd be shocked if they they don't because um, they've only gotten one win in their last five. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, and I mean, I think they're going to be in it until the end, but they need these three points if that's to be the case. So uh, I would hope they can get a W against team in last. Yep. Watford, Brentford. This is an ultimate trap game. I think people are going to be on Brentford. I'm going to take a draw in this one. I just don't see Brentford getting three good wins in a row. Um, I just can't see it happening. So I think this is a little bit of a fall off for Brentford and I'm going to take a draw. Um, at this point, I'm not even going to have a shadow and a doubt of a chance to get back to 500, so might as well, <laughs> yeah. just, might as well just do something. Um, I think I think just, I in my mind, it'd be interesting, but um, I think Watford get three points here. Okay. Um, they did get that win against Southampton, but um, I don't know. I just think they, they're due for a win, and I think Brentford, like you said, it's a trap game, and they are... They have been seen to play really bad against teams below them. Um, and I think this might be one of those games. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. So we're both going to fade Brentford in this one. I, I'm surprised to hear you say that, but that's good. Yeah. Um, Arsenal versus Southampton, another game where there's probably going to be money on Gerald. Uh I'm going to take Arsenal. I think they get back to, to soaring form. They get all three points. And I'm praying that they just put somebody else at left back because if I see Xhaka back there, I'm going to get violent. Yeah, I would hope not. Um, I mean, they are lacking. I mean, you could put Nuno Tavares in there, but um, whatever confidence you have in him, I guess Mikel doesn't have the same. But, um, yeah, I mean, Southampton have been dreadful. Um the recently but um and arsenal's had their number 
as of lately when it comes to the last couple matches. And I think it'll continue here. I think Arsenal on the road can get the job done. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay. Wolves and City has been postponed. There's two other games that have been postponed as well. Uh, so we'll move on to Newcastle and Leicester. Another game that kind of reminds me of that uh, Leicester Palace vibe. We saw Leicester win the last one. This is the one that's going to be a draw. I was just a week early, so I'm going to take a draw on that one. Um, I'm going to go with Leicester. I think just the way they're playing, it's they're picking up. and norm- Oh, my God. Normally... Normally, the end of the year is not their friend, but we have a couple more weeks until it's money time, and I think they're going to keep picking up points here. All right, cool. Um, we have West Ham and Burnley up next. Jesus. Another chance for West Ham to get much-needed points, and I think they do it in this one. Burnley's been burning me. Uh, I don't mean to to insert a pun there, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with West Ham in this one. I just can't see Burnley getting this result. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to go with a draw here. It's West Ham. All right, cool. Just, uh, so, I don't, just so I don't mush you there. Yeah, all right. I, I, I appreciate that. And then we have Liverpool taking on Manchester United on Tuesday, April 19th. We're going to have some midweek Jesus. games here, which I'm excited about. I am with no doubt in my mind, taking Liverpool. This this might be the game that United does something crazy and very out of characteristic. But um, yeah, it's possible. But I mean, Liverpool's had their number the last couple games. I mean, the one in a uh, the one back in October this year, it was five nil to Liverpool. It's just I don't think they have they just don't have the legs to keep up with no. with the style and. The way Liverpool just stretch teams out, I think it's going to be too much for those for those um, attacking players to get very involved in the game for United. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, Everton versus Leicester City up next. This one's the one that I'm going to take Leicester in. Uh, this one's on the 20th of April. I'm going to go with a, a draw here. I think Everton at home, like I said in the recap one, I think they do a lot better at home. Um, even a point here would be would mean a lot to Everton just to get that much further away from Burnley in the drop. Um, and I think they do relatively relatively well against Leicester, um, matching up well. And I think by this time they should have a couple players back from injury too. So um, I, I think Allen's back from suspension. Yeah, he is. Yep, so, yep, he'll be back. So they they should be pretty much at full strength. Yeah. Chelsea versus Arsenal up next. Um, well, well, well. What? Uh, it's just it's our teams. Oh, it is our teams. Yeah, I thought I I jumped a game or something. No. Um. Yep, a North London derby or a London derby. Uh, this game means more to Arsenal, right? It, it means way more. Um. Chelsea have have had Arsenal's number for so long. I'm gonna go with Chelsea. I just don't think Arsenal are gonna win this one. They they need it badly, and they may show up. But I just think with the injuries not being at full strength defensively, it's it's such a loss for Arsenal. They're not gonna be able to afford the um, freedom to just go forward and not have to worry about the ball coming back on the counter because they're going to get exposed, especially with the pace of, of Mount and Havertz. And if Timo continues to play well, Timo. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with Chelsea in this one. Yeah, I think formationally, I think Chelsea just always dominate the ball here with that three in the back and the wing backs just um, stretching guys out. Um it should be interesting to see if it holds up to that same degree. Um, and yeah, I mean, if Timo keeps this up, it's like uh, a miracle, really, because everybody's just forgotten about him since he's joined and let everybody down week in and week out. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to back Chelsea here. But I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal gets something done here. We've we've seen Chelsea drop points in uh, in weirder, weirder situations. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, and then we have three more games here, and then we'll get out of your hair. Newcastle versus Crystal Palace on Wednesday, April 20th, alongside that Chelsea-Arsenal game. I'm going to take Palace in this one. 
any particular reason just because they're your second club? Uh, no, just because they're my second club, and I've kind of had a good read on them. I think um, Newcastle have a stretch of really tough games here. You know, they're going up against Leicester, uh, which I think is going to be a fight, and then I think this one's going to be a fight too, and I just I, I can't see them um, getting all that many points out of it. I think Palace, um, just offensively going forward, they have so much firepower, and Newcastle don't, if you look at them statistically, they defend well or well enough, but I think that Palace are actually going to expose them, um, and I, I can see them scoring three goals, so I'm just going to take Palace. I'm going to take Newcastle, and I will say, you, your record-wise with these teams, you, you read Newcastle better. You're 17-14 and 14 with Newcastle, and you're 11-20 and 20 with Palace. So. Hmm. That's it. but my mine are both a little worse than yours there. But um, yeah, if you you might smell Newcastle more here, stinky. Yeah. But uh, I'm gonna back Newcastle here. I think they're they're do a win. Um, just to get, because they've they found their midfield that works and they have a good rotation in there. Um, and Saint Max has kind of fallen off. We he he's a big personality and. He just hasn't been providing in the goals, and he hasn't scored since January in the league against Watford. So um, he's doing a good performance in this. I think this will be the one for him. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then City, Brighton. I'm going to take City in this one. Uh, yep. I just think that they're soaring at this point, and pretty much no team can stop them. Yeah, I'm just going to go the same with you. It's uh, uh, nine times these guys have played. City's won eight of them. Brighton yeah. won won that one at the end of last year, that 3-2 win. Um, the game didn't mean anything because City already wrapped up the league, and uh, Brighton were pretty steady in the in the table, but um, it was just a big uh, a big FU to City, really. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to go the way everybody thinks, and I think City will grab the three points. All right, and then we have our final game, Burnley taking on Southampton. This one absolutely... We can do the... We can do that one next time because right, we'll do good. the next episode Wednesday. All right, good because that game fucking reeks, and I want nothing yeah. to do with it right now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Who knows? Maybe both of them win their games. This yeah, week. it's possible that we have a better read on them uh, going into next week. I'm I'm hoping that's the case because right now I think I'd probably just say draw because I hate them both. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that's it, guys. That's that's all we got. Um, thank you for listening. Got a little bit of a longer show here. Um, we appreciate it. Make sure you check us out on social media at post 20 pod, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I think that's pretty much it. And then you can find the show on Spotify, SoundCloud and Apple podcast. Take care of yourselves and we will talk to you next week.